Hello, everyone, and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris, and I'm here as always with Stu. Hello. And with Tom. Hi. And that might be one of the best F1 races I've maybe seen ever. Mm, from what I saw of it, yeah. yeah. That was <laughs> it looked amazing. Just so many <laughs> things like I've never seen before in a race. Um, this this might be a long one, so yeah. Where do we start? Up, let's get into it. Can we <laughs> actually before I, I can see like where you've started here, but I just want to do before we go into like the whole thing. Can we talk a little bit about qualifying first? Go on then. Go on. Because everyone seemed to think that Hamilton was holding Verstappen up when he wasn't. I don't I've, know. Was that a narrative? I mean, that, he was like, a little bit. Everyone he, he was a little bit slow road, out of the pits, but. But he was no speaking, slower than he'd been on any of it. I looked at the data and he's like the same, well, more or less the same speed. He was the same speed as Bottas ahead of him. Yeah, yeah um, there, was, and there was no significant difference. It was. I think the thing that people noticed was the way that he was a little bit slow in the pit exit on the way down to turn one. He was rather slow around, there. There was data that Perez kind of of his own doing drove a slower outlap than he had for the whole rest of qualifying. Uh, I don't know, I just never buy this whole qualifying oh they were going too slow like well, they just, re- just driven past yeah. it <laughs> there's there's no rules to say you can't overtake people we see it happen a lot it's yeah, not like you're in about- monza either where like you need the toe exactly it was it was yeah. really str- yeah. i find it so strange like if they wanted to if they wanted the track they, they could have easily just driven around if the if the mercedes was going so slow why not just go around it and yeah. then why afterwards be talking about gamesmanship and this that and the other it's just nonsense it was just yeah, ridiculous it's a, it's, it's a bit yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, never understood that argument. Yeah. I like but how anyway. Stu's brought up the most insignificant talking <laughs> well, this is point it. of the like, entire weekend. Th- th- I wanted to bring it up because I thought this podcast was going to be us talking mm. about that quite a lot. <laughs> and actually, as it happens, it is nah. the most insignificant thing about the whole weekend. So let's move very swiftly on to the race. Um, the race where we actually had some rain. I feel like there's been lots of times this season <laughs> yeah. where there's been, oh, rain might happen. It's like, until I actually see a car on wet tyres, I'm not going to believe it, but... The rain actually did happen, um, and, and and had an impact immediately. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bottas just. What can we but, say? Yeah, wasn't it? it like, was. like loss of downforce, very close to the cab ahead of him. I Slippery don't think track. he's quite as bad. You know, anything can happen in those conditions. I don't think he quite deserves to be vilified the way that some people have vilified him. Yeah, he he held his hands up, said it was his fault, it was his mistake. It's. And it was, and it wasn't good. But at the same time, I think it's one of those situations where an otherwise small mistake was amplified by the conditions. I mean, I guess yeah. the counter arguments that is, in those conditions, you should drive more carefully to make sure you don't yeah. make a small mistake. But it's the start of a race. And he, he was almost sandwiched by a Red Bull and a McLaren. And he ended up in a position where he... It was. It became very, very easy for him to make a mistake as well. Like oh, circumstance. Yeah. I mean, was... his his start was shocking. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that contributed actually, like the fact that he had both of those quickly swallowing him up either side and sort of kind of sandwiching him across in front of him. Yeah, the panic. If, sets in, yeah, it? if that sort of moment of panic to avoid them sets in and you've suddenly missed your breaking point, it's already too late at that point, isn't it? Like yeah. if he if he's taking his focus off to deal with that situation and missed whatever his personal reference is for a breaking point that he will have already had to mentally adjust anyway because of the conditions. Like, it's 
Yeah, well, no one really, at that point, it, who knows where the breaking point is for tomorrow? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think maybe a bigger issue as well is, I'm just re-watching it now, as soon as Norris gets ahead of him, Bottas tucks straight in under Norris's rear wing. Yeah. If you look all the way down the rest of the grid, pretty much everyone else has staggered themselves to get a view of what's ahead, give themselves a bit more space for, you know, because none of them had driven a lap at that place in the wet this weekend. Like, this was the first time any of them had driven a lap. Like, even the laps out to the grid weren't really wet. Um, mm. I mean, you could even have made an argument that it probably... There, there would have been an argument for a safety car start, I think, given that it was a wet track and there'd be no <laughs> wet running. I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. I, I would like, have been really disappointed if they did, but you I could see admit, why they might have made that yeah. argument. I must admit, after I saw the start of this race, I the thought in my mind crept in of, oh, that's why they start <laughs> under the safety car when it's wet sometimes. Yeah. That's why we don't see races like Spa 98 anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> but, but yeah, to go back to the point I was making, like Bottas is the only one going into turn one right behind under someone's rear wing. Like Everyone else has given themselves a bit of space. And I think that's maybe where the biggest part of the mistake came from because... But it just had, there was no room for error. And the second there was a tiny yeah. error, it became a massive one. Yeah. I think maybe not so much in the in the start scenario, but we've definitely seen over the last few years in, in this kind of aero setup that tucking in behind someone's rear wing does absolutely zero good for your yeah. braking performance. Like we've seen a lot of people kind of tucking in and ultimately then locking up and sliding into the well, back of somebody else. Uh, yeah, I think any any aero formula, as soon as you, when you're that close, when you're literally like yeah. in mm. the gearbox of the car behind, then you know there's going to be zero. That's why you see the car behind going into every corner. If someone's coming to overtake, they'll always move out into the clean air. They'll never, you never, it's very, very rare you'll see a car on the brakes that close to no. the car ahead. He, he should have been more careful, shouldn't he? It's as simple as yeah. that, really. Yeah. Um, he was out on the spot along with uh, Norris and Perez as a result of his mistake. Uh, Verstappen kept going, but in a pretty heavily damaged Red Bull. Um, so Bottas has got a five-place grid drop for the next race as a result and two penalty points. Um, there's been a lot of talk around this penalty and essentially he's taken out three competitors including the championship leader he's a five place penalty at the next race harsh enough and it, i guess it goes back to the argument sort of that came up after silverson isn't it yeah. of do you give the penalty for what you've done or the result of it and mm. the way f1 penalties work is it's the penalty is given for the mistake for what you did the result yeah. of it is not taken into account. So, or exactly. For yeah. the most and part. And that's how it should be. Account. That's exactly how it should be. Yeah. And someone actually, I can't remember who it was. Someone sent us on our Instagram account a video of Hamilton from two or three years ago. It was, it was, it was one of the years when Vettel was right in the championship fight for a lot of the season. And it was Hamilton in an interview at Silverstone um, basically saying like, oh, well, we've had Ferraris like take out a Mercedes the last two races now and all they're getting is grid penalties and you have to question whether that's like good enough penalty. And it's exactly <laughs> the argument that kind of yeah. Red Bull are making right now. It just kind of shows how these things... Yeah. It, well, it shows yeah. you how, like, you know, it, dep it, it, it depends on sort of what side of the penalty you are, I suppose. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's always the same. I think the, the thing is, though, is, like, if you look at the fact that Stroll's getting the same penalty and 
you like the situations more or less the same yeah fair enough the number of cars directly affected by that one driver is different but ultimately the penalty is the same for a very similar kind of mistake like mm-hmm. misjudging a breaking point into a, a very like busy corner. Del- delicate corner <laughs> full of 20 cars and they've both made similar mistakes like a slight lapse of judgment maybe on Stroll's part, but well, they've both ended yeah, up with both. the same penalty. And I think that's that's fair for me. Yeah, that's I, I don't I don't really have a problem mm. with, with with the penalties. Yeah, if that's I, the rule, I, if they, they yeah. broke the rules, the penalties have applied accordingly, then what's the what's the issue? I maybe expected more penalty points for them. given what we've seen penalty points for yeah, it's two, this two season pieces, so far, two each yet. That seems a little lenient to me. But Again, Bottas was only on two penalty points before, so it's not like three or four would make a huge difference to him anyway. But even then, is the is the penalty point system working properly no, even for this not situation? At all. Well, I think that there's an example uh, yeah. of it not working properly, isn't it? Yeah, because like surely the it's, it's supposed to penalise flagrantly dangerous driving. It's hmm. not supposed to penalise small mistakes. I think like they're kind of again they're kind of using the penalty points in a results-based way almost. And then the actual on-track sporting penalties are being done by the book, but it's like the, the penalty yeah. points are supplementing it to make it sort of more, to add more, what's the word, to add more jeopardy to, to kind the of, yeah. situation. I guess, I guess, but again, they got the same number of penalty points, didn't they, for the same yeah. situation? Yeah, so. that's well, yeah, that's true. But I'm just saying, on the whole, the penalty point system is still just not being used. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, it was Tyler, by the way, for the record, who sent that in on Instagram. So thank you for that. Thanks, Tyler. Um, yeah, if anything, I'd say Stroll's mistake was probably actually a little worse, although the Bottas one got most of the eyes on it and the talk about it. Mm. Stroll was just like all over the shop. <laughs> well, mean, he, was, he, was in a, he found himself in a situation where he can see all... The difference here is Stroll has the knowledge now of seeing all that unfolding ahead of him and the car yeah. and he's trying to avoid that that's that's what he's doing yeah so he's he's what he's gone off off the track and gone on the inside and then gone just straight and he's practically t-boned Leclerc yeah Leclerc yeah. who was actually doing a decent job of staying of out of the way it. and sneaking yeah, up yeah. the inside <laughs> But, uh, you know, again, it's that panic thing. I think Stroll's seen all that going ahead of him, panicked and thought, God, I don't want to make the same mistake. Then Julie made the almost <laughs> yeah. exactly the same mistake. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say it's been a long time since we've seen a big first corner incident like this. A very long time, actually. Long, um, long time, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time since we saw an in- incident involving Stroll, actually, funnily enough. <laughs> yeah, it has, actually. It's, well, didn't someone say as well, this is the first time Bottas has ever been out on the first lap of a race? Mm. Yeah, yeah, something like a, that, yeah. That's, a, yeah. that's a true fact, yeah. True facts. <laughs> um, so, so then we had the second start after another red flag, well, which is actually, there's another, there's another fun stat for you. This is the fourth red flag of the season, which is already one more than last season. They were only halfway through. Wow. wow. How has, what? It's been a wacky season. Yes, it has. A very wacky season. Um, but nothing more wacky than... Only having one car on the grid, I wow. have never, I have never seen anything like that. Is that is 
hands down the weirdest thing I've ever seen in Formula One. So, so bizarre. Super bizarre. There's, there's, there's a whole thing here. There's, there's meat in this. There's, there's juice in this to like, squeeze, isn't there? Mercedes have said like they stand by their decision to take the grid. They thought at the time it was the right choice. They, mm. they, 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 they A, thought there was a chance of the rain coming back within the first lap or two. And B... They calculated that because because the, the trouble is because of the way the pit lane works, the order's always going to get mixed up based on just where the pit boxes are, and they reckon yeah. Hamilton would probably lose seven or eight places by pitting. There's, In hindsight, he actually lost more, like yeah. sixteen places by pitting the next lap. But he Hamilton, well, because so the way the the uh, the the boxes work, the pit boxes work is. If you're if you won the championship, I think you get to decide whether you have the first one or the last one. Yeah, and then yeah. following that, every it goes down championship order. Yeah, yep. Mercedes had elected to go for the first pit box in this instance, mm-hmm. which means they would have been the first into the. If, if Hamilton had decided to pit, he would have been the first car into the into the box, and because all the cars are concertinaed up behind him, like directly behind him, because it's yeah. a warm up lap. They're all just literally every car is going to overtake him. He might get so he's going to be held up. He'll go in, do his stop, and then while they're doing the work, they'll, they'll finish. It might take him only two seconds to do the work, but you've got to wait for every other car to go by because you can't get released. Yeah, exactly. So you're going to it lose is- a chunk <laughs> of positions that way. Old school Formula One gamers will recognise that as a very prolific bug from F1 2012 and 2013. Oh, that, I mean, wherever you pitted, the rest of the grid pitted at the same time as you, and you could never get out of the pit box. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've still, even years later, not quite fixed that bug, to be completely honest with you. I've not played the latest game, but that's a bug they've always had a hard time fixing. <laughs> but that's by the by. Um, I mean, yeah, it was it was so, obviously, in hindsight, completely the wrong choice. Yeah, well, I think, like, my point is, like, whatever, there was no right decision to make. Like, whatever they did, because they were in the lead of the Grand Prix, yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever mistake, whatever deci- decision they made could be deemed a mistake. I think they'd be under just as much fire if they had pitted and and mm-hmm. everyone had gone by and they'd not, and they'd lost all. Yeah, those positions. it's true. Yeah, and even if, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like they're damned if they do, damned if they don't, aren't they? Yeah, there's just no, there's no. I would say they still made the. I mean, everyone made the wrong decision because they could have all. Every single car on that track could have put dry tires on to do that formation lap, and you wouldn't have had this whole. I'm surprised no one risked it in the first place. I guess it's difficult to judge as well, isn't it? Because in the situation that they were in, drivers like Sainz and um, Verstappen didn't really gain or lose out so it's because of where they were so like it's difficult to judge based on t- other teams that far down the pit lane do, do you know what i mean it's yeah. like if if the red bull had been significantly held up you maybe would have said there's your argument for why it didn't you know they didn't do it but because max was already so far down the field because of the accident on the original start yeah. It never made a difference to them. They they were the last ones coming into the box anyway, so it didn't yeah. matter that they were at the top end of the uh, of the pits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only way like the the only way Mercedes could have got this right is if they put dry tires on and no one else had put dry tires on yeah. for the for the second start for, for the before the start. Yeah, in the pit yeah. lane during the but red then flag in in the position of starting on pole, knowing your championship rival is pretty much last with half a car missing. 
that's probably not a risk you're going to want to take, is it? Well, I don't this think is that's it. a risk like, worth taking. Yeah, that exactly that. Like if they if they do make the so back to being on the formation lap and being on the intermediate tires, they then if they do make that decision and come in and then risk an unsafe release or or you know just damage in the pit lane, anything when there's that many cars getting caught up in the pit lane, lane chaos, yeah, yeah, getting you know someone else unsafe releasing into your path or into your car as you drive past them. There's all kinds of like mitigating circumstances that they're taking into account, and that's why I say there's just there's no right decision because if they yeah. if they if they make that pit stop being the first car in and they're trying to get back to the front of the grid, you know if you're lucky you get to the front again and no one hits you. But yeah. when there's that much going on in that pit lane, you saw there were accidents in the pit lane. You yeah. know, Hamilton, if he makes that stop, could have easily been in the same situation as what Mazepan was in, where I think Raikkonen was released into his yeah. path yeah. and you know took out his front right type, front right front right wheel and suspension damage. He's retiring from the race, and he, and he yeah. would have had to go past every single team in the pit lane on the way yeah. out as well. So there's yeah. like yeah. nine opportunities for someone to get released into yeah. your path. And you know, with, with all that in mind. It probably was the 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 least risky, safest decision because mm. they know they've got the quickest car on that grid. They know their nearest title yeah. rival is is badly damaged and not going to be able to fight them. I think they, they probably don't deserve as much grief again as what as what people are giving them. Maybe I, yeah. I'm being partisan. I don't know, but I think like whatever they did, it, it was always going to be difficult, especially being in the lead of that. Pack. I think yeah, I think they'd have lost out in some degree either way. Yeah, no matter either, what, either the way that they, they did lose out, or like we're saying by getting caught up with cars flooding past them and not being able to release properly. I mean, I've ju- I've just actually managed to look when I was talking about the the teams that are in a similar position on the on the pits. Verstappen's stop was a two and a half second because there was basically no one behind him at the time, as far as I know. Yeah. And then Sainz was a 3.7. So that go, shows yeah. that he was held up for quite possibly a good second and yeah. a half. Yeah. So, yeah, I think... Just for perspective. It, it probably was, in hindsight, the, the least worst option. Like, wh- whether they made <laughs> the choice to do it for the reasons you've just outlined, no. possibly not. Probably uh, not, in fact. Yeah, but- I, I don't... It, they wouldn't be beating themselves up as hard as they are no, exactly. if they no. had made that decision based on all the factors that we just <laughs> discussed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, still, just one of the weirdest things I've yeah, I mean, what Emerson. my my question like to one of my mates, you, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I mentioned this to you guys during the race or to anyone, anyone else during this. But one of one of my guy mates who also likes Formula One, I, I was like, what if Hamilton pits as well? Like, how do they start the race if, well, everyone, actually, if there's no grit? Let, like, let me dip into the inbox early on. We actually had yeah, it came in a lot this, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, we had like th- at least three people: uh, Ben Rowe, Connor Daly, uh, Brendan Bain, all wrote in to say like what would have happened if Hamilton had pitted as well. Um, Because obviously the rules are like everyone in the pit lane waits for the last car to go past the pit entry and then I turn the light green. And I think Michael Massey's been hacked into our inbox because he actually preemptively answered this question for us. He basically Mm. said like, this is obviously a weird situation. There's not a specific rule for, but he said basically under that situation, as soon as the last car entered the pit lane, they'd have turned the five lights on the five lights would have done the normal start procedure and the and second the la- and then as pit soon as the last green. light went out then the pit light would have gone no on. Yeah. way so it would have been full racing situation from from the ex- entry to the pit yeah basically from the, from the last person going in so you'd already yeah. had a queue you would already had a queue at the front anyway yeah exactly yeah you'd already yeah, had a queue at the front. they'd be starting to form up but yeah, yeah. basically, but as, soon, as soon as there wow. were cars in the pit lane start the light procedure to an empty grid of cars 
and then turn the the pit light green as soon as the last light goes out. That's which amazing. Is, it's it's lucky that Michael Massey's had a whole day to think about that to answer it, isn't it? After the race, before uh, <laughs> yeah, right, before actually having to make that decision and implement that rule on the fly. <laughs> um, so I guess we should talk past the the, the second start. Um, after Hamilton had to pit and dropped away to the back, we get we got a top two of Ocon and Vettel who. I mean, Vettel had a shocking start, as we already mentioned, and somehow popped out of turn one in, well, it was mm. third place at the time. And Ocon as well, like, neither of them had great starts and great positions, but just kind of slipped past. Um, and that was more or less the entire race, wasn't it? Those two at the front, other than through the pit cycle. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Latifi went somewhere to help in them to, to a victory. That, there were a lot of factors that played into it. Um, I think Latifi played a big part. The both the Alpha Tauris did. Alonso played a massive part, which we'll get to. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, j- just to like start before we get into a lot of it, like Ocon was fantastic. Yeah, like oh, yeah, we didn't. We, I don't think we saw. Yeah, you're not taking anything away from this. This is like when when Gasly won at Mons last year. Like I don't want to take anything away from that. That was fantastic. But he inherited the lead of that race with maybe a third of it to go, if I remember rightly, maybe yeah. half at most. And yes. Yeah. With science behind him, wasn't it? And yes, he drove fantastically and, you know, it was an amazing victory, but like Ocon got the lead of this race with like, was it technically like what? Five or six laps down, I think. Yeah. It was like he, probably 95% of the race yeah, left. He basically had to drive an entire Grand Prix with a four-time world champion, like, yeah. never less than a couple of seconds behind him. And he was flawless. Yeah, Like Ocon yeah. has had a kind of up and down season. He's had some really ropey races, but my goodness, he was good. Yeah, Can't, I, I have nothing more to add other than yeah. I absolutely agree with you. And, I think it was and, absolutely fantastic. And much like Gasly, it was another one of those victories where just everyone was very happy for him. Like yeah. there, there wasn't really yeah. a... Although there were people disappointed their own race, just like generally people were just really happy to see him get a win. It was a, it was just fantastic. Um, I mean, I would probably argue that Vettel was the faster of the two. Um, oh, he, no, no doubt. Absolutely no doubt. He wouldn't have been able to keep up with him the way he did if he wasn't faster. No, because he was he, always yeah. within a second and a half, more or less. If it wasn't for that slow pit stop, Vettel would have won that race, I think. Well, you say that. He'd have won that race and then been disqualified. So Ocon would have won it anyway. So it actually would have been, yeah, which would have been a shocking way for that to play. That would have been so weird. In hindsight, I'm really glad he didn't. Um, Yeah. That and like to speak to Vettel as well. Like that, I think is the best Vettel has looked in a few years. Actually, given given Vettel's last race, I think he he's had a hell of a race as well because he he had a shocker at Silverstone. Yeah, yeah. Last I remember last race saying in the review for Silverstone saying. That it looked like we'd gone back to the. He looked like the old Vettel who was spinning all the time in the Ferrari because he did last yeah, race. Yes, yeah, yeah, he really did. And, and it's not the first time this season different. either. He's done it as well. That's yeah. why we brought it up. Yeah, because there was an. Oh, I'm trying to think where they were, where we were when he did it. The Bahrain. Yeah, I feel like there's somewhere he came know. out of the pits onto turn one and and lost the rear again. Mm, maybe, but um, my yeah. The point is, there's a different driver. Different driver today. Like, uh, sorry, different driver during the Hungarian Grand Prix. Absolutely amazing performance from him as well. To stay on the tail of the car ahead for as long as it... Those two were battling through pretty yeah. much the entire race. Yeah. And the job Ocon did holding him off as as 
as Chris has already alluded to, is just yeah, multiple world champion. <laughs> like the pressure of of doing that, and and he had a few sniffs as well, didn't he? He like, did, especially when they came up to lap um, Kimmy. I, I I thought Vettel was going to get him at that point. Yeah, yeah, there were there was some, a few really 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 close points after the. Was it after the pit stops? It was really close as well, wasn't it? Yeah, very close because yeah. it did. They came out. I can't. Maybe came out like half a second ahead. Yeah. Was, oh, yeah. It was through turn four and turn five. It yeah. looked like they. It almost like they were going to come together at one point. Actually, through mm-hmm. up yeah. to turn five, but that would have been an airplane crash if they had. It was just such a fascinating, close, unpredictable race. Like for the win between two drivers yeah. that you wouldn't expect. It was just amazing to watch. Both just absolutely fantastic, and I do remember um, them doing Raikkonen and yeah, and Vettel like had Vettel a sniff and Crofty up the completely missed it. He was Crofty. just talking about something else. He entirely. was just talking about something completely random. Yeah. In fact, the race director almost completely missed yeah. it because the uh, the cameras cut to it as it was happening. They didn't see it coming, and because they were so busy concentrating on Hamilton and Verstappen. Um, and yeah, I was really, I was actually really frustrated at that point in the mm. race because I was like, "Oh my god, that's such an amazing thing, and you've completely missed it." And that's that should have been the race we were watching the entire race. It doesn't really matter what you know Verstappen's doing for tenth place. It doesn't really matter, other than you know wheel banging Schumacher. Um, it doesn't really matter what Hamilton's up to at that particular point in the race. Like there was a lot going on through the thing, and I, I do feel like we missed a lot of the best. From what I saw, I felt like we missed a lot of the best race. They definitely were looking at places where the excitement wasn't for big chunks of it. Um, yeah. Not to be negative, because <laughs> <laughs> it was still a heck of a race. Yeah, and just like I, I just love seeing races where there's new winners as well, and, and especially yeah, for Ocon, like. Ocon's had a heck of a, a run through F1 to get where he is. Like he's he's one of the drivers that doesn't come from money. He's like, yeah. you know, his family yeah. really like paid his way through and stuff. And then he had like well, he lost his seat for a year, didn't he? And still managed to find his way back. In fact, I saw someone point out, I think it was like 2018. Do you remember when we kind of first found out that Stroll was moving from Williams to uh, yeah, racing points it would racing have been at the point. time, yeah, and and it was I think it was after qualifying maybe, and in in like Park Firm with the interviews, you could see Vettel and him chatting in the background. You could hear Vettel being like, "Are you, are you not going to be here next year?" Like that's I that's, do remember, yeah, like that that's a travesty. Like you should definitely have a seat, and like to look from that moment where he didn't even know if he'd still be in F one, and then suddenly he's fighting Vettel for the uh, race win. Like yeah. it's just Hectic. such a nice story. It's yeah. so cool. Um, super, super happy for him. I, I will admit I was rooting for Vettel through that race because I've never been more of a Vettel fan as I was watching that race. <laughs> I, I, I really want to see him get a victory. Um, It'd be nice to see him get one while he's at Aston as well. And I like, think he that, will. That combo would be I think he will. good to see. And it's it just possible. goes... It just goes yeah. to show as well, and like we'll talk about Alonso a bit later, but like with these kind of older drivers, although you might kind of... And I don't include Kimmy in this necessarily. Well, we don't know. We've, we've not, never seen Kimmy, Kimmy in this position. But like, you only need to give these drivers a sniff of something big, and they just like it all switches it. back on. Yeah, like yeah, it, all, yeah. it all kind of comes back, even if a race ago they were just plodding around, not doing much. Yeah, he definitely looked like Vettel. This race looked like Vettel in a Red Bull to me. Yeah, because I, I, yeah. I almost thought that's the best I've seen Vettel since he left Ferrari, but that's not true because these last two years at Ferrari, I don't think he was as good as he was. No. Like, I, but I, I still, even now, I still say that it wasn't 
Vettel was not the problem at Ferrari. Ferrari were the problem at Ferrari. The drivers are rarely the problem at Ferrari. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But anyway, again, we've got too much to get through to get into that one. Speaking of Ferrari, I, for at least the first half of the race, I thought Sainz was going to win that race. Sainz was like, the way it all played out in that first phase of the race was, looked like it was landing in Sainz's lap, but... yeah. He just couldn't get past Sonoda, could he? Basically, he just sat behind Sonoda for like the entire first phase of the race. And by the time he was sort of ahead of Sonoda and Latifi, he had dropped too far behind, unfortunately. Yeah, um, he, he needed to get past those soon. I think that would have made the difference for him. But I mean, there was there was at least a situation where he kind of overruled <laughs> strategy, which I think probably yeah, played into his hands. That was interesting, a actually. Bit. Uh, tell me more about um, Science's race because I was so, so deep in radio messages <laughs> at that point. I mean, he, when he was in clean air, he was one of the fastest out there. He was, his pace was yeah. fantastic, but yeah, he just couldn't get past Sonoda for the entire first phase of the race. And that is good. And, and but, then um, late on in the race, he was, he kept saying to the team, like, Hamilton's going to catch us here. We need to think about stopping again because Hamilton's going to stop again and then just cruise past on soft tyres. And Ferrari just ummed and ahed about it and in the end didn't listen to him. And Hamilton pitted again and cruised past him on newer tyres. Like, science saw it coming a mile off. And I thought he seemed cheesed off at the end of that race. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, which which was a shame. I mean, still, still a good result for him. He, at time of recording, it was a third place for him. Yeah, mm. um, <laughs> because we still don't know Ooh, for a, certain. Ec- well, here we go. We could get <clears throat> into the next thing now. Yeah, so Vettel obviously stopped on track right after the checkered flag, um, which <laughs> like I saw, I saw someone online say actually because the FIA I don't think always take fuel samples from cars. It's not like they take a sample from every car and every race. But if you stop on the cool down lap that's basically saying like hey FIA <laughs> yeah. come come check out yeah, my that's fuel like, that's like the Formula 1 equivalent of not filing your tax return that's yeah, what it, yeah. it really is <laughs> so obviously they did uh, try to take a fuel sample and couldn't find the one litre they require so Vettel was subsequently disqualified um, Aston Martin have declared that they're going to appeal they believe the right amount of fuel is in the car they just can't get it out. <clears throat> Apparently, the FIA tried multiple times to remove more fuel and couldn't, but Aston Martin is saying that there may be like a fuel pump failure or something that they think is still in there. It will um, have to be something pretty out there for them to not be able to get the sufficient amount of fuel out of that car. I think so as well. And there's like, I've seen lots of people like being like, oh, it's so unfair to take a result off him because of like, you know, a f- however many milliliters of fuel, not enough. But it's just like, it's a technical regulation. It's black and white. There has to be this much fuel. Yeah. Everybody knows it. Yeah, and there's yeah. a set penalty for it, and it's a the, other, the other cars. The other cars that stopped on track managed to hand over the correct. Amount yeah, because I was worried about Russell, but yeah, didn't have a problem with his. Um, I mean, we've got the bizarre situation where he was disqualified, and then we got a set of quote unquote final results that had him back in second place, but with a thing at the bottom saying these final results are provisional. Um, yeah. Then a few hours late, a few hours ago, sorry, we got another final quote unquote results with him back as disqualified. So at time of recording, he is still disqualified. I suspect it's going to stay that way. I, I don't think there's much that 
I, I don't think I've ever seen one of those overturned. So an interesting... It's not the first time, is it? No. An interesting part of the rules I saw pointed out as well, the rules around this say the sampling procedure must not necessitate starting the engine or the removal of bodywork other than the nose box and the cover of uh, any refueling connector. So it's not like that can rip the car apart yeah. and pull every drop of fuel I can out of the pipes. Like, yeah. No. It's, it's just... They've the only way that that car has not got enough fuel. Well, it, <clears throat> the simple fact is they've calculated. They must have calculated it wrong. There's because yeah. for them to have got fuel out of it, unless the fuel pump has failed halfway through them pumping the fuel out of it. Yeah, <laughs> which you know that's a bizarre circumstance as it is. Especially you know the fuel pumps in these cars are the are the toughest, bestest fuel pumps you can get. They don't fail. Formula One fuel yeah. pumps do not fail. They're tested and tested and tested to destruction. Um, this whole thing. I mean, the, the 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 bigger question here is, why don't they just take a fuel sample before the race <laughs> rather than after? The yeah, race? like surely that could just <clears throat> go down the grid. Well, I guess the, I guess the argument is that could go down the grid beforehand and just pull a few fuel, fuel samples. But then the argument, I suppose, is like a savvy team could like spot that they've walked past them and not taken a fuel sample so they'll quickly squirt something in the fuel tank that's good like i don't mm, think you don't do it on the do grid it, you don't do it on the grid you do yeah, it in the garage exactly. you do it you do it as it's this literally it's a one for you and one for me in the in the um, yeah. as they fill the car with fuel but that's even then and then none of the teams know who's had a fuel sample had to give a fuel sample and who hasn't yeah true you just, yeah I'd, yeah but Th- that's again. the way they do it in nascar in nascar not is it nascar or is it indycar i think it might be indycar they do it they do it before they even start the race, they take the fuel sample. Yeah, I mean, another another solution would be to stop faffing around with all these different fuel suppliers and the official fuel supplier of blah, 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 and just say, like, this is the Formula One fuel. Ooh, Which actually... Chris. Oh, gi- Chrissy, given, Chrissy, Chrissy. Given the move to synthetic fuels that's probably going to happen in coming years, that actually might happen. Ooh, but well, I'd take a lot of uh, political wrangling mm. for that to happen well i mean we used to have lots of different tire manufacturers and then they said no we're just going to have one that everyone uses i don't think it's outside the realms of possibility it's, that they can no, just say I, I agree with that i think any you know things can change i'm not i'm not denying that it, 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 i'm not saying it's impossible but <laughs> i i think given that you've got patronus written on the back of the uh, mercedes you've got yeah. shell written all over the f- ferrari you've got mobile one i think yeah written on, yeah the uh on the red bull all these big players yeah. sponsoring these big teams that's a lot there, there's some big big money sponsorship coming from these oil suppliers and to to sort of starve them of that would be... no it's it's a it's a Although, fair point counter arguments to that would be you could argue they need a bit less money now because there's a cost cap so, yeah well, that, that, that would social... be the argument towards it wouldn't it is a cost cap incentive yeah and i'm also sure the likes of shell would pay an awful lot of money f- to be able to say shell the official fuel supplier of formula one yeah. and stick a nice also picture true. of a formula one car and all their fuel pumps and stuff and yeah. then you spread that well throughout the entire field don't you? exactly so, yeah yep just solved a problem in the middle <laughs> of a review this is an amazing. interesting sidebar um yeah. but yeah in conclusion i think we don't expect vettel to get that back and in true no, backgrid style, it'll he'll probably get his second place back immediately after this podcast goes live. But you know, <laughs> yeah, there's the not a lot we can do. About that. Literally, as we speak, the fuel pump has come back to life and is pumping I mean, just gallons and gallons of fuel out. It's unstoppable. They can't stop the fuel. It's going everywhere. They can't handle it. At least we're doing some good for someone for once. 
it usually ends up being a worse situation thanks to us talking about it and news coming out at least this time it might well it'll be better for Vettel at least not anyone below him in the standings I guess yeah um, let's let's talk about Hamilton he managed to come back to third on the road which became second um, in theory in theory maybe we'll see <laughs> I mean, he, he struggled to overtake a lot, but I think Mercedes did a very good job of adjusting the strategy to put him in clean, clean air as much as possible, um, mm. <clears throat> despite yeah. their initial choice on the grid that may or may not have been a howler. <laughs> From that point onwards, they did a pretty damn good job, I think. Um, I mean, he was probably on for challenging for the win, honestly, if not for a certain Fernando Alonso <laughs> and the yeah. widest Alpine in the world. Wow, yeah. Um, I mean, that was like a proper like duel for the ages. Like, I've it was just amazing. I've I've, I've not seen many wheel to wheel fights like that in recent years. And I th- yeah, I I flicked over to Hamilton's onboard during that because I've got because <laughs> with my setup I get like on my iPad I've got like the F1 TV app and then everything else I've got. Sort of, I can I can run it on obviously mobile screens while I'm working, and um, I noticed that one sort of starting to unfold. I saw Hamilton was had caught Alonso and was trying to get by him as I was working, and I thought, oh, I'll just uh, I'll just flick over to the onboard. <laughs> and watching it from the onboard was pretty epic. It, like, was, it was so every good. lap was like just so 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 intense, proper proper race. And I that. think another thing as well that I was thinking over the weekend is. This is why, like, a lot of modern F1 tracks are seen to be getting longer and longer. And actually, for situations like this, you want a short track. Because if you've got, like, yeah. 50 minutes of a race left and you're behind someone, on a shorter track, you hit those overtaking points yeah. way more often than you would at, like, That's a, a yeah. really good point. Yeah. two-minute long lap somewhere. Um, like so Spard, your yeah, favorite exactly. track. I mean, yes, yeah, Spa's, Spa's a, a big old exception to that rule. And Montreal as well, which is also my favourite track. That's, I guess that's not the longest lap time in the world, actually. No, that's that's sure. not, no, no Montreal's not too lap. bad. It's like a 112 or something, isn't it, I think? And you've got you've got a couple of decent overtaking points yeah. there because it's a lot of straights into chicane. Oh, I've missed yeah. that track this last couple of years. I really hope we get that back in, next year. In fact, the, the counter-argument is if it's a big track with a long lap that's got lots of overtaking opportunities on it. Well, that's the idea, then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. probably the better situation. Well, maybe, equally good situation. Maybe build some cars that don't uh, only need a specific kind of corner to overtake each other, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I mean, I, I honestly, to not take anything away from Ocon, I think Alonso played a huge part in Ocon winning that race instead yeah. of Hamilton. Well, I think when you look at the way that gap was coming down towards yeah. the end of the race, he was taking like two and a half, three seconds out. Huge chunks. The lap. Like every, yeah. It was like five, and a, five tenths a corner in places, like just absolutely siving into that. Siving, wrong word. He, he just, just eating into the, yeah. the gap that was in between the ca- yeah. him and the cars ahead. So, yeah, it, he, it, I think... Even if Hamilton, well, it was there were, there were two laps there. If 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 Hamilton had overtaken him two laps sooner, then he probably would have won the race. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was just so good. And Hamilton was like a little complaining about the wheel to wheel racing during the race, but he has said since the race, he said that was some great racing from Alonso. There was one moment we touched the felt on the limits, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Which is um, good that in the kind of cold go. light of day, in hindsight, he's actually looked back and said, ah, "You know, that was brilliant." What you mean? Did he didn't. He didn't send. <laughs> he didn't send Alex Albon to 
do the same corner 10 times in the same car. I mean, it would be all like Nick DeFries or someone, wouldn't it, getting sent around for Mercedes? But I mean, they all do it in the heat at the moment. Yeah. Like, and they'll, it'll always get played from your top drivers. Like, whenever Max has a bit of a moan about someone doing that or like gets really on point with his F's and Jeff's, like if if as soon as Verstappen opens his mouth and it's bleepable, they play it on the coverage. Yeah, like and, they, and they they're just waiting for moments like that. And they to, all do it. I'm play. sure you just hear more of it from some drivers than others because that's. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure most of the drivers complain about their tires all the time, but you can mm. guarantee whenever Hamilton mentions his tires going, we're going to hear about it yeah. on the team. Oh no, my tires are gone. <laughs> uh, back to Alonso. Probably the best race since his comeback. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. I Definitely saw... the best defensive driving I've seen him doing <laughs> yeah. all season. I, I saw, actually, I can't remember who it was in the Discord, but someone said during the race, the interesting thing watching that was you've, you've got Alonso and Reichen on the grid who are both older than most F1 drivers I tend to be. it was be. me. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it wasn't you. <laughs> but it's it like watching that race, it was clear that Alonso is there to race. Raikkonen's there to drive around. Oh, but, but I might have not said those exact words. I did say something along the lines of, um, I know out of Alonso and Raikkonen who I'd rather have on the grid in terms of the old boys. Yeah, and I know yeah. Alonso being there is very divisive and I have mixed opinions on it, but you can't deny that sticking in a situation like that and he like puts it all on the line yeah. and he puts on a show. Big yeah. time, big time. I think um, what you just said there sounds like the sort of thing I'd say, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I, it wasn't me because I was just just so deep in work <laughs> that I couldn't have said it. I wasn't even on the Discord this weekend, but um, which is a crap advert for <laughs> becoming a patron <laughs> and joining the Discord. Isn't it? Join the Discord, <laughs> Stu won't be there. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I think, I, I think that, that hits the nail on their head. Alonso's there to race, Raikkonen appears to be there to drive a Formula 1 car around and not yeah. necessarily race. But then at the same time, he's so dis- Raikkonen's so disenchanted with his team at the moment and he's just not interested. In- I mean, there was there was one yeah. particular radio message where he was... he was uh, It was after the incident with... Right at the beginning of the race with the pits. I don't think you guys would... You might not have seen this yet. There was a... Um, so as Raikkonen pulled out and hit the Haas and damaged the Haas and continued on his way down the pit lane. Um, Raikkonen came on the radio and he was like, oh, so you've done it again. We've, we've made a mistake. That's cost us a really good result. What a surprise. He was really, really, really fuming with them. It's words to that. I'm paraphrasing, but it... it Actually, you know, I think... I don't know if he's doing the race or effect. I've seen a video afterwards. Yeah, I have heard that. And it was just a bit... I don't know. It's, it's not... Well, it just shows mm. that he's... he's He's dissatisfied with, with, with the team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's just fed up of, of them making mistakes. Yeah. You know. So it was, yeah. It was Wes that said that about um Kimi and Alonso. Oh, there you go. I'm glad, I'm glad you, I was Wes. able to uh, <laughs> to credit. Wes is like, I will take credit. <laughs> I, I tried to find it as well on the Discord search, just did not help me out at all. <laughs> he said, It seems Kimi is just driving around where Fernando is actually racing. That is yeah. a much eloquent way, that, yeah, <laughs> a much yeah. more eloquent way of uh, putting it and what I sort of yeah. stumbled out. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing I want to say about Alonso, I loved that after the race, he straight away went to like where the top three were parked up to go see the team and go see Ocon. 
I mean, but, you say where the top three were parked up. Well, where one of them managed to park <laughs> Where up. one of them was. But, like, <laughs> when he got there, he just, like, kind of seemed to stand back, let Ocon sort of have the limelight, go and have his moment with all of the team and everything. And it was only when Ocon was done and started walking back that Alonso then ran over to celebrate with him. And I just saw that That's was quite... Nice. Yeah, it That's was really classy. nice. Yeah, it was good. Very classy. And Ocon in... Um, in an interview after the race as well, actually said like when Alonso joined, he was hearing all these things about like, oh, Alonso is like a really difficult teammate and he really like, you know, pushes people to do things his way and blah, blah, blah. And he said like in his experience, couldn't be more different. He's just been like yeah. a proper joy to like work with as a teammate and like really working together and with the team all put in the right direction and stuff. I think the Alonso Esteban Ocon his experience is probably quite a lot different from the Alonso yeah. say Hamilton would have experienced in two thousand seven or yeah. uh, basically anyone I think. Yeah, yeah. Massa would have experienced <laughs> definitely uh, at Ferrari, you know, definitely a diff he's a he's a bit longer in the tooth now and a bit more um what's the word? Just a bit a bit more chill maybe. He seems <laughs> he to be the same. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it'd be different if he was in a if he was in the running for a championship though, you bet he would be absolutely the oh, most yeah. difficult person in the world to be the teammate of. <laughs> but but I think that's part of being a racing driver, isn't it? Yeah, big time. Um I was terrified to say this for the entirety of the race because none of us wanted to jinx it, but we can now finally say Williams got some points. Yeah, <laughs> we needed like a klaxon or something for like the Williams get points klaxon. <laughs> Dust it off. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It it weirdly probably not one of their absolute best performances. There's probably been races in the last couple of years they've deserved points in more, and it's all fallen apart for them. But do you know what? It happened, and that's all that really matters. Yeah. Um, Seventh for Latifi, eighth for Russell. Um, as we sort of already touched on, Russell was actually second coming out of the pits, thanks to partially thanks to William being at the end of the pit lane, and also some slightly opportunistic driving. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I think he kind of said to the team, "Can I do this?" As he they was said, doing it, and they, they said, said no, no, and he said, yeah. "Too late." Too late. Um, yeah. Interestingly, though, I, I read a little bit before we started. Uh, after the race, Russell was. He thanked the stewards for applying a bit of common sense and letting him just give the positions back rather than giving him a penalty. Turns out it actually wasn't the stewards. It was Williams themselves. As soon as he did it, Williams themselves straight away said, give these positions back. We think you should be behind Alonso, so drop back behind him. Yep. Then got on the radio to Michael Massey and said, we made a mistake. This is how we've rectified it. Is this okay? And Michael Massey was like, yeah, that sounds completely fair. I don't f see the need to, re you know, uh, forward that onto the stewards kind of thing, which is very quick thinking from the, uh, the yeah. Williams and side then of things. I assume nobody else around them that um, he benefited over by doing it in the first place. They must not have had any complaints over the way they rectified it not, because no. you'd have thought they'd have radioed it in and said can you have a look at this like how is Russell in front of us yeah but it was I guess not and it was within half a lap he gave the, in fact he actually lost one it, extra no, place I think it was on the uh, back straight after the yeah sort of, it was on yeah, the back straight like two thirds most, the way around yeah it was two thirds of the way yeah. around that he gave him all back I, I know that because I did like the whole thing problem, on it today it? <laughs> yeah like he had a problem for a moment and it was yeah like, well it was partly, because, partly because Crofty <laughs> called it 
Right, I mean, you can understand well, yeah, the Crofty getting that wrong. He, he got a said puncture he had a, he just commentary. shouted puncture for guessed no reason. But, um, yeah, he literally just guessed something. But you can, when a car's like going slow like that, you can kind of, I mean, puncture's going a bit far, admittedly, but you can understand him sort of saying that he has a problem and saying yeah. that he's given up because it's very unusual to see a car yeah. just giving up that many and, places. And given Russell's luck, it didn't seem that outlandish that he did have a problem. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, the radio. The, there's a thing on it. So we did a thing on it today, and the radio in it is actually quite interesting. Um, it's well worth that's worth a watch because it's it's really interesting to hear how the driver communicated with the team during that <laughs> whole process. Yeah. And like, there was like, it was quite, it was quite calm, but like, also there's definitely a sense of like through the whole thing, there's a sense of like urgency and and tension to it, which you don't always hear on the radio. Oftentimes, it's quite robotic on the radio, where this has got some real. It's actually got quite a lot of drama to it. It's <laughs> so simple. So it's worth a watch if uh, if you can find it. Yeah, it sounds interesting. Uh, Latifi actually held third place all the way to lap 22 when the pit stop started, which was impressive, actually. he he. I kind of expected him to get swallowed up after that, but he sort of held his own, probably aided by the fact that he had, um, he's the Alpha Terry, wasn't it, behind him, um, holding yeah. signs out of the way. Um, but yeah, he got shuffled back down to eighth through the pit stops, but held on to eighth, which became seventh um i thought that was really interesting quite early on we heard that radio message from russell basically saying to the team if you need to compromise my race to help latifi to maximize his result do what you need to do and i thought that was really interesting given that a lot of the objections you hear to russell getting the mercedes seat is that he's this this, like young gun that's going to come in there and rock the boat and you know be not playing the second driver role. Like that's one of the most team playery radio messages I've heard in a very long time from a Formula yeah. One driver. Yeah. Don't think that was intentional at all then. Like going into some <laughs> was, break and well, negotiations. I was about to say you could be really cynical about it and be like, well he's probably only just said that Hi. to <laughs> to like go for Toto to prick his ears up and yeah. say, Oh, oh, you're a team player there, Mr. Russell. It was interesting though. And it was it is interesting. I think given what Toto's been saying about Bottas in recent weeks, about the team player side of it and about him being sort of a, a good teammate for Hamilton and all this, it, it it's not sort of out of the realms of belief that, you know, obviously Russell would have seen that. Like, it's not like Russell's sheltered yeah. from the whole world. So he would have seen that, that's, that those comments are out there in the world. And, and you know, Toto is probably... Also saying that for the reason, there's there's all kinds of reasons that why these guys say these things. Nothing oh. is said flippantly. They, yeah. There's always an agenda. So Toto is saying that fully with the expectation that whoever is Hamilton's teammate is expected to continue to be Hamilton's teammate rather yeah. than Hamilton's competitor. So. Yeah. Do you know what though? Like maybe this is just me wearing my Russell fanboy hat and. If that's what you think it sounds like, then I apologise. But weird looking hat that. Is, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't like it when you wear that one. I'm in the market for a new hat, actually. Um, yeah, with, 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 to replace your bot as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, given how Russell reacted after the race, like the way he was in interviews and stuff, like I, th- I, I honestly think that was genuine. I, I think in that moment he genuinely just wanted the best result for the team and. I mean, generally, the, when you see him in interview and stuff, though, I agree with you. He's he is very humble and he is very team focused, isn't he? Like, 
he's always he has always come across this way. It's not it's not like it's really out of the blue for him. Like no one was surprised. I don't. I think when he said what he said, like it didn't like oh wow that's unlike George. Like because he is always yeah of that kind of nature. Is is he's always like very supportive towards the team no matter what it is. I think so. I, yeah, I think like in in his current team, but like. Let's not forget that we haven't seen him in a position where he's really had a, t- a competitive teammate, for one. And no. th- we, we've not seen him really fighting for like the sharp end of 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 the points and like you know fighting for, other than other than at Mercedes when he got that standing drive. Yeah, and I would say during that weekend he seemed he seemed pretty stone cold that weekend that he was in the Mercedes. So yeah. I, I don't think, you know, let's, yeah, not, paint, I mean, let's not paint him like a pussycat because that is... No, I'm, no. Not, I'm not saying that, but like when you look at his time in Formula 2, he was still he was still very thoughtful and considered about the situations he was putting himself and the team in, I think. Yeah. Mm. Even though he was fighting for a championship then. Yeah. Um, like, and yeah, don't get me wrong, I, I imagine that he would be much more steely, much more competitive and much more ruthless given the opportunity to win a title because he definitely was during F2, but there was that bit of his personality of like for the team and consideration of like the other people working with him, that was never not there, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. It's not like a new thing this weekend. Mm, no, 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 it's, it's not. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, my, my, I guess it's just like... My my point is we haven't had the opportunity to see that really 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 stone cold side of him over a championship. Like it's easy to yeah, no, it's easy fair. to say to when you when you're in the slowest car on the grid and you've got probably the one race of the whole season that you've got to win points. It's easy to turn around and say sacrifice me for the team. We, there's a good chance we could get some points, kind of thing. But you know, there's absolutely no doubt in any of, any of our minds. I don't think that there's just no way he's making that comment if he's in a Mercedes. <laughs> well, it's like Hamilton mm. and Rosberg were best buds until they were suddenly fighting for a championship, weren't they? You know, it's those situations are always going to change a driver. But yeah. I, don't know, I, I guess I'm not disagreeing. I'm definitely not disagreeing with anything no. Tom's saying. I'm just saying. I guess this no. is. It's more like it's easy just to look at Russell as like, oh, he's sat at Williams waiting for Mercedes to to give him a call, kind of thing. But I think that just proves that he genuinely cares about that team and like that was like a huge deal for him the fact yeah. that they got points to me it all almost feels like he's sort of leave he, he's he's leaving that team and he's leaving on a good note I, I, dare i yeah. go as far as saying that like he could be yeah it, it could feels be. I mean, like it, you know he wants to do right by them because they've done so well for he's done so well out of them to yeah. be going from the because let's face it, if this deal goes through for him, he's going from what was a year ago categorically the slowest car on the grid, maybe two years ago this categorically, if you want to be really specific, to what is almost, well, categorically in the top two fastest cars on the grid. Yeah. Because so, I, I wouldn't like to say the Mercedes is the fastest car on the grid at this point in the season just yet. I think if they are the fastest points car in Spa, then they've got a good chance of winning the championship, but that's a whole other point. Ah, so Spa is the new Silverstone, Stu. Hmm. <laughs> I think, I if, think Red if, Bull, if Red Bull beat Mercedes at Spa. <laughs> we didn't get to see Red Bull having a good... Let's not, let's, not, let's not do this now. Let's not do this now, okay? <laughs> um, I, will, I did read earlier that apparently um, the French channel, uh, Canal Plus... Um, 
and said that Russell to Mercedes is a done deal and apparently they have a pretty solid track record of calling driver moves before they're official. So take from that I, what you will. I don't think it's going to be long. I, I've not heard anything, but I don't think it's going to be long. I think I think it's been a done deal for a few weeks now, to be completely honest. I think they just they, they always said we wait for the summer break, and I think they're waiting for the yeah. summer break. Before, well. yeah. I mean, before an announcement. Before, before an announcement. I don't yeah. Think it's the yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, like, I think that comes back to, I think it was you just saying it, Stu, with the whole, um, it's like uh, being good to the team because they've given him the opportunity to end up where he's he's going. It's like he knows he's going kind of thing. So he's possibly already put pen to paper. Yeah. It's, it's a done deal, but it's between them for now. It's possibly. Well, I'm but, not saying but, it is, I mean, but you know, it would make it would make sense. Like everything in Formula One that's supposed to be a secret, it's becoming <laughs> the worst kept secret in Formula it's One. Slowly yeah. is, isn't it? It's, not I wouldn't quite go that far and say that yet, but it's progressing towards that. Yeah. Time to take just a moment away from this week's episode to talk to you about the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped. It includes their new lawnmower version 4, the waterproof trimmer with advanced skin safe technology. And it now even comes with a travel lock, meaning no more embarrassing activations in airports and the like. You can get 20% off the package by heading to manscaped.com and using the code BOTG. You will also get free shipping on the whole box. It also includes the nose and ear hair trimmer, known as the Weed Whacker, as well as the Crop Reviver Toner and their Crop Preserver Deodorant. Manscaped are trusted by over 2 million customers worldwide, and that includes the three of us. So remember, if you want to get 20% off the brand new Performance Package 4.0, head to manscaped.com and use code BOTG. That's manscaped.com and code BOTG. Let's talk about Mick Schumacher briefly. He sort of found himself in a much higher position than normal and had lots of pretty exciting wheel-to-wheel battles, actually, including a pretty like massive fight with Verstappen, um, albeit a severely wounded Red Bull that he was fighting with. But still, it was... I, I guess we've, we've had like half a season of watching Schumacher fight with his teammate and no one else. So it was quite fun to see him like get into fight with some of the big boys. And he... He put up a really good fight, actually. Yeah, I mean, considering the machinery he's got to his yeah. disposable, <laughs> I would say yeah. he, he did a pretty good job. He almost got disposed of, didn't it, when he was fighting Verstappen? Yeah, <laughs> that was... I think that was a bit 50-50, to be honest, from... Do you reckon? I think so. I'd have said so. I, I didn't think anything of it at the time. Mm. I still don't, okay. so I haven't I'm seen not, it back. Okay, I won't... I won't, I won't uh... Won't stir won't that particular pot. I won't, I won't stir that pot. I'll I'll move away from that one. Remove um, your blinkers. Yeah, yeah, I should, I should. I mean, I'm as bad as Christian Horner, aren't I? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that about you. I'd never say that about you. <laughs> Karen Horner. Uh, that was tre- trending on Twitter, wasn't it? So <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> but we shouldn't. Let's move on. Uh, Schumacher eventually came home in 12th. A bit of a shame for Haas. Like, this was probably the best chance of points they've had for some time, but didn't pan out for them especially with as we mentioned their other car got unceremoniously taken out by Alfa Romeo just launching Raikkonen into the side of it which was a shame uh Raikkonen got a 10 second penalty for that um, which is you're pretty standard and safe release penalty isn't it really yeah um still book still again as we sit and record this Raikkonen still came home in 10th for a point that may or may not change (laughs) um we should talk about Verstappen. 
our previous championship leader. Um, we, we you should... know this is the first time that Max Verstappen's ever lost the lead of a championship? <laughs> hey, oh, you've been harboring that one, haven't you? <laughs> I, said it, I said it in Discord live. I just wanted to make sure I said it out loud as well. <laughs> I'll say to you now what I said to you then. Get out. <laughs> um... We podcast just say... ends because Tom's the, <laughs> That's the it, host done. of the system. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as is becoming tradition in Hungary, another incredible job by the Red Bull mechanics to even get Verstappen back into that race. Like, yeah. How that car made it to the end, I do not know. Covered in gaffer tape. Yeah, like literally the whole kind of barge board floor area on the right hand side in front of the side pods was just gone completely gone <laughs> it was like formula one on the left side and formula two on the right hand <laughs> yeah, side literally yeah yeah in terms of aero it was ridiculous difference <laughs> well like someone asked christian horner about when um he was fighting with schumacher and christian was like i'm pretty sure schumacher had more downforce at that point <laughs> <laughs> yeah he i mean verstappen did a heck of a job just to drag that car around and get it home um finished yeah. ninth in the end so he at least salvaged a couple of points from the situation but still means he's going to some break now somehow um hamilton has an eight point lead in the drivers and mercedes lead in the constructors by 12 i mean i don't think any of us expected hamilton or mercedes to be leading either championship by this point at least a few races ago we didn't but then i don't well i don't think i expect i'd I, Certainly didn't have any expectations for anyone to be leading the championship. Like, obviously, someone is going to be leading the championship, but I so, mean, someone it has to be. Yeah, yeah. somebody. That's just how it works. But I, you couldn't. I, I, I've said this all season. You can't like. You can't choose between them who's going to be leading the championship. Was my. That's my point. No. Yeah. It's been a pretty, pretty terrible run-in for Red Bull. All things considered, though. Yeah, they, I mean, they should be if they. <sighs> Uh, you know what? I, if if Verstappen just leaves a little bit more room into cops, they're le- they're still leaving <laughs> the championship. That's the crazy thing for me. Yeah, and like we we're not going to get into the let's yeah we don't have to that. Like as as we discussed last week, the the stewards told them to jog on, which was exactly what we always <laughs> expected, um, yeah. and the right decision as well, given the, the yeah. evidence that they brought. Yeah. Yeah, ju- no, I'm not getting into it. Evidence um, in inverted com- the evidence that they created to. But it d- like I can't help feeling like Red Bull just spent so long wringing their hands over that and spending all their energy on that. Like you've got in this championship, you have to keep your eye on the ball. And the way they've spent the last two weeks, like yeah, they've, on they've, one they've on been... one hand, like uh, I'm a little surprised that they're not leading the championships going into the summer break but at the same time the way they've spent the last few weeks like it sort of was always going to happen wasn't it Uh, yeah it's bizarre the whole thing was bizarre i've never seen in in however what 16 years of following this sport i have never ever seen anything like it it's the strangest strangest strange that the whole lead into this race the whole like attitude they've had towards the last race the whole lack of focus that they've had Mm. as well that's what's put them in this position now, I think. I, I, this should be a Red Bull circuit on paper. Red Bull should be the quickest car around this track. It's it's basically Monaco without walls. Mm. So 
this was an opportunity. I, I guess like Mercedes have brought some new updates to the table and they've got themselves in a position where they, they are much more competitive now than what they were probably three races ago. But Red Bull have got a real chance still, I think, to win this championship and they need to get their heads back in the game. They need a summer break more than anyone else, I think. Yeah, because if they they just they can't be wasting energy on races gone by the way they have this last two weeks. They need full focus on upcoming races and making sure that all the resources poured into getting the absolute maximum performance out of Mm -hmm. car and driver a hundred percent of the time, and that has just not been the case this weekend. There's no doubt about that. If Verstappen qualifies second, this is a different race for them. Yeah. And well, we, I mean, look how it turned out. It's weird. Like, I kind of feel like we were robbed of a really fascinating strategic race this weekend because not of the weather, because of the weather, because of what happened at turn one, like that we're going to be starting on completely different tire strategies. Like, but well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that that was the, the shame for me is that obviously the, the tires went away from them in Q3 and yeah, in Q2. The interesting thing that happened was obviously that Red Bull elected to, well, Max in particular, Perez kind of needed to set a lap on the softs to make sure he was safe. Max didn't, and Max still decided to to set the time that he did. Um, And I don't think they needed to, so I think it was a, a, a strategic decision because Hamilton went out on softs, got his eye in for Q3, and then basically pitted them and just threw away the lap because they didn't want to be starting on them and we got we got robbed of a little bit of something there i think that was like that was like what i was kind of looking forward to to see him play out i mean don't get me wrong we still got an amazing race i was gonna say to be clear you can rob me of a race any day you want if that's what you're gonna give me shit yeah yeah. (laughs) if you're gonna say (laughs) as long as as you get the bernie sprinklers out go for it I think you're right. You're right, though. Like the whole narrative leading into into Sunday from Saturday was the it's the difference in tires, and what was that battle going to be like into turn one and two between those two cars? I, Is Verstappen going to have the grip to to catch up off the line? You know, turn one was going to was all was going to be the the main event of the whole race weekend, and instead we got turn one still being the main event of the race weekend, but for completely different reasons. I mean, like. I went back and looked at <laughs> what we were talking about in our preview last week and just all of it went away at turn one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the preview episode before this is pointless. Completely, yeah. <laughs> like, we talked loads about the McLaren and Ferrari battle as well. Like, two of them yeah. got taken yeah. out immediately. I guess we should mention McLaren briefly, actually. Like, weekend to forget oh, for them. Um, so unlucky. Sadly. Nor- Norris, very brief, looking like he was going to be in third place. And then he was my turbo as well. And then was in no place. I mean, if yeah, and Ricardo, I think even though Ricardo had a crap time in qualifying, I think he might have been on for a decent comeback drive. But again, he got hobbled. He was carrying quite a bit of damage as well. He he got spun around by he got spun around by Leclerc, Leclerc because of Stroll. Part Stroll, of that yeah, whole yeah. thing, yeah, yeah. It was caught up in all that cannon shot. Yeah, um, want some stats? Yeah, Let's do them. Stat, stat me. Uh, Science now has the dubious honour of having four podiums in Formula One, but he's only actually stood on the podium twice. I was about to say this is the second time that he's <laughs> yeah 
in a third place and not been there to celebrate it. I'll say this. If Sainz ever finishes fourth again, the top three need to be worried because some <laughs> shenanigans are going to come on. <laughs> um, this stat, which I found, is amazing. I can't remember where I got it from, so I can't credit it. But Ocon is the third new winner we've had in 21 races. The three new winners before that took 85 races to happen. Whoa. Just goes to show good. the crazy couple of seasons we've had. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's wow, this Ocon's, is a golden era. We're in a golden era. It really era is. Ocon's first victory in anything since the 2015 GP3 season. Wow. Um, assuming the results stay the same with Vettel disqualified, Williams scored more points in this race than their previous three seasons combined. <gasps> wow. Uh, also, Russell's best finish in F1. He beat his Mercedes one-off appearance by one position. Um, and also Sonoda's best finish in F1 as well. Um, he had a pretty awful weekend up until the race, but uh, had a pretty solid race to bring it home in sixth place. Yeah, those uh, those Alfa Tauri should have been much further up the grid, actually. They much further up, yeah. Yeah. Is there anyone else or anything else you want to mention before we do the awards? I feel like even though we've talked about that for like an hour now i've probably still missed things that happened in that race i think we've covered plenty <laughs> right yeah that's we've covered a lot in if a we missed it it clearly wasn't important <laughs> shall we then i challenge you to pick a driver of the day <laughs> alonso was the official driver alonso of the day, was the official probably one. because of verstappen fans voting for him for holding up for holding out um and just everyone that didn't want him to win for a change and wanted, like, wanted to see one. It was, I mean, it was everybody wanted either Vettel or Ocon to win and was kind of happy yeah. with both of them. And Alonso did everybody who wanted that a well, favour. Yeah. Is, it, is it not bizarre that Alonso got the official driver of the day when Ocon won the race holding off a multiple world champion? It is a little weird. The I, entire well, race. In I was a, kind of thinking that maybe, <laughs> maybe Ocon deserves it on merit because of that alone. I can see, yeah. yeah he's I can definitely see, I, my nomination. I can tell you that. I can see the Alonso argument. He's definitely the most entertaining driver, I think, of the day. Hmm. But is it the driver of the day, though, or is it the award for the most entertaining driver of the exactly. day? Exactly. Are we not, awarding entertainment or, or are we awarding performance? That's <laughs> very difficult to say. Yeah. I think, I think it's Ocon for me as well. Tom, who are you? Who are you uh, voting for? Bottas for being the catalyst. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I bet no, you got a fair no, few my, my, votes. My serious, my serious one would probably be Ocon. Yeah, I think that's the that's the easiest driver of the day of the entire season. I am going to take this opportunity because I forgot to earlier to mention um, Vettel, or, as well as the fuel shenanigans. He also got a reprimand after the race for um, he was wearing a oh the t shirt a, rain, oh, the a rainbow t shirt with yeah. same love on it, and he left it on for the national anthem, which he got a reprimand for. Um, and what that's that about. There's, it's, he's not the only one either. Bottas, Bottas got one for the same thing. There are about there are about four. So basically, the rules are about four in, drivers all had the same issue du- during the like we race as one gesture, and gesture is the right word for that pointless event because. Yeah, don't get me started on that. Basically, they're allowed to wear whatever they want during that, and then they have to take their T-shirts off for the national anthem. And well, what so, is, so by it, wearing a t- what are they? Is he dis- dis- disrespecting the nation of Hungary by wearing a rainbow T-shirt that says "Same Love"? On it? Yes, considering the reason <laughs> that's absurd. One, one of yeah, but considering one of the reasons why as well is even like why he was wearing it in the first place. 
He's even more annoying, I think. Yeah, Vettel like specifically said these are the reasons I'm wearing this, and it's essentially because Hungary have some pretty shocking oh, laws around. Yeah, there's like there's like a vote the, uh, going on essentially yeah. at the moment to do with what's what's taught educationally and what yes. isn't. Um, without but, going into too much detail. But after the race, yeah, let's when, not let's not get too deep into these political things. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember the specifics of it, so I don't want to like stumble my way through yeah, it to exactly. get it wrong. But the point I was to make was after the race, when this was pointed out to Vettel in an interview, he basically said, whatever, that can disqualify me for it. If they want, I'll do it yeah. again. Which, I did see that. just endless respect mad, to Sebastian mad Vettel respect. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Mad respect, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and what's next? Move of the day. Bottas for wiping everyone out. <laughs> <laughs> Move of the day. Uh, what sticks in my mind for me mm. the day? I think um, <laughs> Russell on every car that was ahead of him in the pit lane. If he'd got away with that, wild, yeah, if he'd got away with that, would have been hectic. That was quite funny. Uh, but I did have something for this, and I've genuinely forgot what it was. Is it Vettel for having such a bad start? He avoided all the chaos and inherited third place. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't that. No. Um. Norris okay. for avoiding the back of Hamilton during his accident <laughs> by about an inch. It was so close. close. Yeah, it was so close. close. I kind of think it's going to be one of those ones where it's not an overtake this week. I think for me, it's Alonso's defending because mm. I loved that. It was it so changed the com- to watch. It did change the complexion of the race. Yeah. Yeah. Proper like wheel to wheel. You're watching multiple world championships have it multiple world champions having full-on wheel-to-wheel racing at that point, and it was just awesome. I mean, I'd, I'd happily give it to Alonso's defence. I'm, I'm struggling to think of many actual overtakes, if I'm honest, which is Verstappen, weird. Did Verstappen get Gasly in a really... Was it Verstappen on Gasly? I can't remember, honestly. No, Gas, Gasly did a bit of a Ricardo-esque lunge up the inside into Turn 1. Oh, yeah, who did he pass? From a long way back. I can't remember who Ooh. that was. I genuinely can't remember who was overtaken at the time, but it was from a long way back. It's actually table. not in the race highlights on YouTube, which I watched before we recorded this as well. Um, there's, a, there's a lot not in those race highlights. Yeah. I, I mean, I could be wrong, but it might have been Mick Schumacher when people were fighting back past Mick. It might have been, actually, yeah. He, he was a proper, like... Yeah, I think it was Mick. Um, could be wrong, but it might. I think... I, just, I feel like it was another white car. Yeah. That's the first one that jumps to mind. I still kind of want to give it to Alonso, though. I'd still give it Alonso. I mean, it was a good move from Gasly, but I think that the Alonso defending, like, literally won his teammate the race. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I could go. I could go for Alonso just because a lot of uh, to be to be honestly to be honest with the audience and everyone, I really truly was so bloody busy <laughs> during the race that I the second half of it I. I, I couldn't tell you much about. <laughs> so I, I had to. I tried to go back and watch it again, and even then, I was still so busy after the race that I couldn't even like half watch it again. Like I've, I've, I've had two attempts at watching this race already, <laughs> and haven't been able to see it. <laughs> so go and work for Formula One. They said <laughs> it, it'll be fun. They said, yeah. We're we're seeing rumblings now that Vettel has been undisqualified, but oh, what? But this is all very unofficial currently. Oh, okay, yeah, it's not it's not super official in the slightest. I'm going to stick to my original judgment it's, of I don't think they're going to be. Yeah. Um, I there's just no way. Um, move of the day. I, I'm going to say yeah, it's got to be Alonso because yeah. So, did we award that already? Sorry, we have yeah, given it Alonso. Last done. award. 
Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? We are spoiled for choice this week, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, what? Yeah, you've written Peppa Pig in the paddock. There. I <laughs> want to know what this is. I mean, you didn't see the back end of the race. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably why. Technically, can I just point out it was Daddy Pig, not Peppa. I will. I'll <laughs> take your having expert. a niece obsessed with Peppa Pig and have watched probably every episode in existence. That was definitely not Peppa. I take it all back. There, <laughs> it there was, was the father. <laughs> was it one of the? I can't remember one of the Aston crew or one of the no, Alpine think, crew. I'm pretty sure it was one of the Alpine crew because it was where it was as Ocon was going down, like just kind of shaking everyone's hand and hugging everyone and stuff. That <laughs> so he's holding a giant. I'm I'm guessing it's one of those kind of gestures of dad's here kind of thing from a dad in the paddock because it, it makes kind. more sense as well with it being the the dad from Peppa Pig. Daddy I'm assuming Pig, there's yeah. a kid back home obsessed with Peppa Pig. I, I just said Daddy Pig on a podcast. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've was said okay. it three times it now, thanks. So don't we worry. We get away with it. Um, um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Bot- Bottas going bowling is an obvious can- candidate. Bottas goes bowling. I mean, that's that a good candidate hectic. for a title name. It is. Right there, Bottas goes bowling. Write yeah. it down. This, the, the, the race restart, one car restart. Yeah, that's the one for me. That is like hyper WTF, isn't it? That's, that's just absolutely yeah. crazy. I I was so surprised to see it. that did make me and it's one of those things that did make you go WTF. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. So, although like even at the same time, like the lap turn one made me go WTF as well. They're equally hectic. They're both yeah. equally mental. I mean I mean, I didn't go WTF. I said wow, Bottas is a <laughs> Oh, I'll not repeat the rest. <laughs> is a Finnish Formula One driver. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is a cluster of, of cars. cars. <laughs> I think, like any other week, the fact that only one of the top three actually made it back to the pit lane at the end of the race would probably be enough for this. But mm. the, the one car grid, like you just can't look past that, can you? I, th- I think it is going to be the one car the grid. Weirdest thing I've ever yeah. seen. It is probably one of the only times we'll ever see it. I mean, I, 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 if I saw that again in my lifetime, I would be amazed. Yeah. Like, the only thing that I can think is... If I see that again, I'll take my top off. <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> the, the only thing I can think that has ever come close is in India, where there was the tyre issues and only six cars. Six yeah, that's what yeah. I didn't want to mention it. That, but yeah, that's that the is, only thing yeah, I think yeah. that's ever come close to being that, like, yeah. what... And everyone's like, well, this will clearly yeah. never happen again. Yeah, we don't yeah. talk about that. The Formula One don't like it when people talk about that. Talk about that. <laughs> I, at this point, we have to talk predictions, I guess, don't we? Which yeah. I imagine isn't I mean, great viewing. It's it's an interesting one. Like, basically, a lot of people got one point. And I mean, a lot of people got one point. Was that for Hamilton fastest in Q3 by any chance? No, surprisingly, it was for... Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, majority of people... Got a single point <laughs> that went with Hamilton on fastest qualifier. Our top scorer this week did somehow manage three points, though. Wow! Three whole points, and we how? were saying, we were saying, how on earth would anyone get two? We were like speculating about two being possible. But yeah, Tom Horrocks got um, three points because he had fourteen finishes and mixed Schumacher twelve. Wow! Amazingly, okay. I'd have expected so, Bottas first DNF would have been in there as like a bit of a hail mary. But yeah, <laughs> how has he pulled the well, Schumacher here's, one? Here's off? the interesting thing, Chris. Bottas first DNF scores you nothing. Oh yeah, of course. Sorry. Oh, because thanks to the however the way the FIA work it out, Lance Stroll is first DNF. Don't 
like if you want to complain, write to FIA because th- this is their doing, not mine. <laughs> I, so yeah. yeah, somehow Lance Stroll is the first DNF. I've I've watched as many replays as I have access to, and I cannot work out why. Because we we've had questions about this before about why is this driver first DNF, not this you, one, and we've looked it up how how they figure it out. And even knowing thing, that, it still doesn't make sense. The only thing I can genuinely think, right? This is my own. This is the only thing I can think. There's is that there's a timing loop like on the apex of turn one, which Bottas hit and Lance Stroll did not. Because that's usually how they work it out, don't it? It's Did about I... the, because we've had this before with Carlos Sainz in Spain and somebody else where one of them made it further down the track and therefore was considered second DNF. May, yeah, so maybe the timing so loop is like... a timing loop. It's, it's, half, through, maybe it's halfway around the corner, so like it's almost at 90 degrees to the way the and grid the, is. And... Bottas did technically make it further down the track than Lance Stroll did before he went on the grass. Yeah, that's the only thing it can be. Then. That is the only. That is yeah. genuinely the only thing I think it could be. But yeah, please don't blame me. Blame the FIA. Um, and yeah, um, Winston Johnson also had fourteen finishes. Just to point out. Oh, and another one, David Sinnott. Heck of so a three people that. all had fourteen finishes. And we were all so. sat here last week, being like, "Nah, never many retirements here." Yeah, and and just for clarity. Tom Horrocks' score could change because Mick Schumacher is where he is thanks to Vettel's hmm. disqualification. So sorry, Tom, if Vettel is undisqualified for the second time, yeah. then you may lose that we're, point. we're still in very much a provisional state at the time of recording, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Stefan Newman and uh, Karen Keating, hold on to your hats because if he gets undisqualified, you guys get a point. If you <laughs> both had Mick Schumacher's 13th. I mean, us, we but did a point each. Point apiece for us. Yeah. Stu did- keeps you in second in the leaderboard with Rory Clark and Nate Everett and a whole bunch of people trying to catch catch you. Uh, but our single leader at the moment is still Alex Taskov with 22 points. Well done, Alex. Chris, you and I are in 28th with 18 points. I feel like this is the closest we've ever been to the top since opening this to the general public. And the closest we've been between the three of us as well, I think, for a while. Yeah, probably as well. It's yeah, normally yeah, like two... the midway point in the season. It's, it's normally you two close usually me and, and I'm Stuart also here. Like, yeah, like got a few points between us one way or the other and go back and forth a little bit and you're there somewhere, but <laughs> you, we're actually all together for once. Um, um, the standing... We should, we should actually... We could do the standings for the... Um, uh, what is it? Oh. The fantasy league. We all know why Stu wants to do this one. Oh yeah, we yeah, all we know, know exactly. The fantasy why. league we've not mentioned all season. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got like there's as many people taking part in the fantasy league as there are in the work fantasy. League, so there's quite a lot of people. I will. Part. I will. Before you've mentioned it as a proviso, I have not touched my fantasy team since the first race of the season. Well, you, you would Nor have I. I still have Yuki Sonoda, which actually worked out well for me this week. Actually, I'm yeah. on every week. I'm on every week about how. I should take Yuki Sonoda out of my team, and I didn't, and he had me 18 points. I'll take that. In terms of the league, though, because I know Stu like, really wants <laughs> really wants it to be known. I can't <laughs> um, remember my password. Oh, wait, oh what go. a shame. We got me able to talk no, about no, it. No, I've got it. I've got it. No, no I haven't. Say I've got him here. Um, Stu is top with 2,198 points. Uh, Thomas Bunty is second behind you, 2,095 points. And Daniel W, I'm not sure who that is, um, off the top of my head, uh, he's got 2,012 points as well. So a few people into the 2000s. I'm eighth, I've got 1,960. Chris, I can't even find you on the list. Where are you? I don't even know. 
What are you doing? All time? What's this? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just looking at the leaderboard for our league. Oh, for our league. Oh, I yeah. see. Sorry. Um, <laughs> which league did you want to talk about? Well, I was trying to sign in to look at the look at all the leagues. So Unbelievable. I could follow along. But I was so concentrated on signing in to look at the leagues that I wasn't listening to what Tom was saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know what wow. talking about, is it? Yeah. I love, I love, oh, you're not, you're not far behind me, Chris. I've just found you, you're 10th with one. 1,948 points. Okay, that's not too bad considering I've not actually been actively playing. Um, yeah, you're, you're being much like me. Oh my God, yeah, Chris is 10th without actually being having put in any input. I'm, I mean, I'm happy bit. I'm happy with a top 10 finish without actual yeah. trying. Really? I'll oh, you're definitely eighth. take that. Wow, God, you yeah. set up a good team at the start there then. Yeah, I'm, yeah you, I mean, you've already done the scores, but um, the, the thing that was interesting was um, the, of the leagues I've joined, the Global League... With that number of points that I'm on, guess what position I am in the global league. I mean, I'm tenth. You're bringing it up, so it's probably going to be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, four hundred and fortieth out of nearly a million. That's that's not really bad. impressive. That's I'm... hectic, isn't it? Like I was really. This is not me. Like I'm not trying to sort of like brag or anything about it. I'm just. Like, I mean, you are. Pre- <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm really not. I'm just shocked about more than anything. I'm just <laughs> like, wow, that's insane. Doesn't talk about fantasy league all season. Finds out he's 440th and wants to mention it on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarrely though, again, it, the, the global league, which has just shy of a million people, my team that I picked at the start of the season haven't touched since. 104,000 out of 960,000. I clearly picked a pretty decent team once. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm part of the United States of America League. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Because because when you sign up, it puts you automatically into the league of the country that it thinks you're in. And I signed up at at work using a VPN. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And guess what position I am in the United States of America? You're going to be, you won't believe this. First. No. 28th. You're a, you're a, Mate, you're 28th a fraud. You're not even in America. A whole, you're a fraud. Out of a, out of a whole country, I'm 28th. That's me- a country, USA yeah, as well. You're going you're the right way to... Get ready for the deletos. No, I'm not going to say it. Stu's it's not, not getting fair. a visa next time. It's not fair to all the amazing American fans Ooh, that are actually out Tom, there. Tom, Tom. No, yeah, we've got was, a lot of American fans I was going to well, say dude. that there aren't any because that's the common joke, isn't it? That there are no fans in America. Okay. So you're 28th out of 28. It's going to be the joke. Squirt your way out of that one, didn't you? I'm going to swiftly move us on. Um, we're going to do a proper like mid-season review in the coming weeks, but let's maybe just do like one takeaway from this race each going into the summer break. What's cool. like the main thing you're taking away from that race and the season so far? I think, I mean, there's an easy one and that's just to say how poised it is for the rest of the season, isn't there? Like it's been yeah. so exciting and so unpredictable, probably the most unpredictable Formula One season that we've had in a long time. Um, and I don't think it's going to get any more predictable than it has been all season. So I'm super excited for the rest of it. Yep. I would say we may start seeing the demise of Bottas for me. I think I think an accident like that will now get in his head, yeah. especially if especially if a contract that we're expecting mm-hmm. is announced coming into the next race. I can just see a poor back end of the season for Bottas now. The he needed it, I think he back. needed a strong result here, which he was almost poised to do he did look quick in practice and obviously it all just it went to pot so i think that we may see the demise of bottas sorry chris what about you chris what's yours um i think for me it's that 
Red Bull look rattled by the way the last couple of races mm. have gone. And I think the way they come back from the summer break is really going to dictate the way the rest of the season goes. Yeah. Can you see, just on a side note, can you see them, can you really see them winning at Spa against Red Mercedes? Bull. The, the, depends, the Honda engine yeah. has been good. This depends season. which version of each team shows up, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Depends who turns up come the end of August. All that to look forward to. Yeah. But yeah, we'll go more in-depth in the coming weeks and we will do, we'll do a proper um, yeah. season review. This is normally the time of the year we try and do some grid predictions as well, but there's not that many slots left to predict for next year. Yeah, now, is there? I don't think there's, there's, much, there's not a lot of juice to squeeze from that one, is there? There's not, no. Yeah. Let's all try and draw what we think an actual 2022 car will look like. <laughs> the plastic got three weeks, guys. Go. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. Don't. Let's finish up with some inbox. Keep it saying now. Hey man. Uh, who's first? Am I go? Am I going to go first? If you like. Okay, let's. Look, we, we can rattle through these. So, um, yeah. Ben Rowe says, "Hi guys, just wondering." Oh, we've already done that one. Sorry, we've done that one. That's the one I pulled. <laughs> okay, from let's do Pete Sturt says, "If Mercedes had realised straight away that they'd need to pit, would we have missed out on even more entertainment if Lewis had pushed hard on the formation lap?" to build a gap to get released safely are you allowed to do that on the formation mm, it's not it's not possible because <coughs> you're going to stay behind the safety car so well no there's not there wasn't a safe or was there no. a safety car because it's not because it wasn't technically a formation lap was it because oh. the because the rate you do you follow the safety car it's not a formation lap though because the radio rules were different as well, weren't they? Because normally on the formation lap, there's no team radio allowed. Like, like the the team can't give the drivers instructions. Yeah. But actually, at the restart, they were allowed to give the drivers instructions and tell them to pit because it's not technically the formation lap. But in terms, yeah. I assume there's a maximum delta you can do under the. We do follow the safety car though, as well. Even though I it think, was the red flag you know? restart. Were they following the safety? I, I, I can't even recall if they were following the safety car around the lap. Discord, were, were they following the safety <laughs> car around on the they, formation they lap do. for the restart? I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that they do because that's they decide while they're following the safety car if it'll be a rolling restart or a thingy restart. But, but that's not... That's the medical car in, but in that's chat, the medical by the car way. Behind. Yeah, yeah. The medical car's always behind them. Either way, but the, that, that's at the grid anyway. That's that's not on the formation lap. That's that's after the formation lap. So either the safety way, guy would have already peeled in and got into the pits at that. There's going to be there's definitely something in place that says you can't just tear around at full speed on the formation lap. No, no one can remember. No one, <laughs> no one's there was way too much going on that race. Well, I, don't, I think it wouldn't be it wouldn't necessarily be sensible to tear around really quick on your formation lap because you just wouldn't get. As daft as it sounds, well, you t- I mean, your tires won't be warm enough anyway. So no, you're probably that's true. spearing off into all kinds of barriers and whatnot. And you're putting and also, one more lap of load on the tires than you really need to as well. Yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of reasons why that's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Um, yeah, it's the it's kind of like what I mean. The point here is he's trying to you're trying to create a situation here where Hamilton comes off better having pitted. And re- the reality is, even if he had pushed, even if it was an option for him to push, safety car or not, they on a formation lap like that, you're probably going to get mostly kept up with anyway. 
So you yeah. might spread the field a little bit more and you might make it easier for you to come out sort of in, in a bit more of a gap. But ultimately, the, again, it's a risk thing. That w- w- When the risks are so high for you doing that on cold tyres and, and sort of and the risk of penalty because at the end of the day, it's pretty unclear even to us now in hindsight doing it. I don't think it would have been a smart thing to do. I think I think they did. The, I I still think they made probably the, yeah. the best decision plus, they could have in the circumstances. Plus, like it's not like Mercedes knew that everyone else was going to pit either. So there you go. They, they were behind. They were behind the safety car. You're in the unenviable position of you're the first to that point. And I think the thing is, is that when Ocon decides to take that risk. Pretty much everyone behind him goes, let's do it. Like, yeah, that's the disadvantage of being first in that situation, isn't it? And yeah, so like, I mean, if Max had been behind Lewis saying second, I think they'd have, they'd have both gone to grid and they'd have both got caught out. I don't think Red Bull would have, would have done it, but you don't know, do you? You don't know. You, you just know, though, that like before the formation lap even started, Ocon's engineers and the, and the team have said to him, okay, but everyone appears to be on intermediate tyres. Do the opposite of what Hamilton. Yeah. Whatever Hamilton does, do the opposite of that, and we've got a chance of winning this race or being in a position where we can finish really, really high. And yeah. I mean, <laughs> Lewis went was on the grid and he radioed in and said, "Yeah, guys, it's dry." Yeah, it's like yeah, on the bit, way bit around, at that yeah. point, but like yeah, it's yeah. it's one of those things, isn't but it? But we, we've covered it off. We've covered this off, so we should move on to the next one. If- okay then, uh, Garrett Satellite. I like that name. Um, what do you think of the budget cap implications for the big crashes? Should the teams caught in the middle be responsible for the whole cost, or should there be partial blame so teams like Ferrari and McLaren, um, in this week's scenarios, don't have to foot one hundred percent of the cost and have it put towards their cap? I definitely think the suggestion that. If another team is at fault for a crash, they should pay for your damages. That that's a bit nonsense. No, nah, yeah. When you go to if you go to a racetrack in your in your track car, the understanding among everyone at the racetrack is if you crash into another car or another car crashes into you, then you both pay for your own car. Yeah, this this is yeah. racing. It's not driving to yeah, the supermarket. Yeah, you, you're not. You want. Yeah, you're not exactly that. Exactly that. You're not. That, you're not pootling down to the shops on a Saturday morning for a carton of milk. You. You're racing cars. It's massive, what I think, difference. what I think they maybe should consider, though, now we're in this cost cap era, is maybe some kind of appeals board situation where if you are involved in a crash, you can go to you know the FIA appeals board and say like it's going to cost us X amount to repair this damage. We, you know the evidence shows it wasn't our fault, and through an appeals process, you can have like some repair costs that don't count yeah. towards your budget cap. You know, yeah, as long as you're spending that money on like for like parts, you're not using it to, you know, build new Basically, parts or anything FIA like that. Crash insurance. Kind yeah. of, yeah. Difficult to police is difficult yeah. to police, but I think they may be gonna need to think about something like that because there's definitely there could be like an automatic percentage where if if say a driver a driver is deemed a hundred like at fault for I mean a hundred percent at fault for damaging yeah. a car, then they waive the costs of repairs as long as they can prove the exact figures that I mean, go into repair. You would car. like say that the damage to Norris's car 
I would, would yeah. be wavered. I, I, I would say in the that, in that scenario. Both example. Red Bulls yeah. as well, to be honest. Like, yeah, both Red Bulls. Yeah, yeah. Like, why not? Uh, the like, Ferrari. Like, every yeah. car that got... <laughs> Mazapan's car for um, yeah. Yeah. Raikkonen doing Whereas him, I think the Silverstone situation, the stewards didn't deem Hamilton wholly to blame. There's definitely some grey area there. I don't think yeah. Red Bull would have a leg to stand by in that situation. Exactly, but yeah. In yeah, what yeah, we've seen in this race, I think they would... Be well within their rights to argue that why should we yeah. lose out on the budget for this? Yeah, it's an 100%. interesting thing that I definitely think needs to be thought about. Good question, really good yeah. question. Uh, next, Jack Vandeveld says Perez should Red Bull resign him or not? Don't know yet. Yeah, not I don't see why not at the moment, but there's still half a season to go, isn't there? There is. I just I'm not sure there's a better option. Not yet. Ga- you could argue that Gasly would be, but I don't want. Red Bull to break Gasly again. <laughs> nah, yeah, let's uh, let's leave Gasly alone for now. Yeah. I will also Gasly. say that uh, Jack Vandeveld is a fantastic name, and it sounds like a Jack Vandeveld sounds like a, um, a GT3 driver. <laughs> it sounds like someone you see on the yeah. podium at the Spa twenty four hours or something. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? Okay, next one. Um, Michelle, just Michelle, says, "Is Mercedes pissed at Bottas or happy that he took out both Red Bulls?" I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Well, yeah, they, they're, bo- they're going to be both, though, aren't they? Exactly, because they've lo- they've they've lost valuable points in the Bottas car not finishing, but oh, they have lost. also gained points in the Red Bulls. Well, one not finishing and the other ending up down way down in the points. So yeah. it's a mixed bag, isn't it? Like there's there's a silver lining to Bottas's DNF in their their eyes, probably. I would say. Also, yeah. there's the the budget cost of them repairing Bottas's car as well. Yeah, yeah, just touched on. Yeah, definitely swings and roundabouts there. I think for Big Mercedes. Uh, next one, Robbie Fletcher says, "Has Bottas just confirmed Russell will be in the Mercedes next year?" George managed to fend off the lights of Ricardo and Verstappen, even though they were damaged, uh, whilst having a bigger picture on the race. And the team saying to Williams uh, to, about compromising his own race to benefit Latifi. Uh, and Cornwall also similarly said, do you think the Bottas crash and George finally scoring some points at Williams will sway Toto's decision if it hasn't been made already? It's certainly not done Russell any harm, but as I've said before, I still think that decision's already been made. I don't uh, think anything could, either yeah. driver does at this point is going to change it, to be honest. Yeah, I think definitely those those machinations are very much completed and all the, the, going through the motions now. At the very least, I think whoever at Mercedes uh, may have the discussions to make the decision have already made that decision, whether they've told yeah. anyone or not. Yeah, I think I'd, so. Uh, yeah, I'd agree. Uh, next, Lee asks, does this race prove reverse grid races are a solid idea? <laughs> I mean, there's definitely an element of it, isn't there? <laughs> there is. Yeah, I mean, this is a race where it's very... We've not really mentioned this all episode. It's a very difficult circuit to overtake out the Hungaro ring I th- yeah. I was thinking earlier I think this was a good race despite the circuit not because of it yeah and yeah with that in mind and with the idea of reverse grid you know reverse, reverse grid races being a thing then if this can be a good race without a reverse grid race then think of, um, but with the some of the factors of a reverse grid accidentally put into place yeah <laughs> then yeah, why not do reverse grid races? I think it'd be wicked. I think that, yeah, it's basically what it's done is it's given you enough of a taste of what it could potentially throw up to say, 
why not give it a trial in the same way we've, we're trialing the sprints? Yeah. Lee's preaching to the choir, though. L- Lee knows full well that we all want a reverse grid. He, well, yeah. <laughs> Race. <laughs> yeah. Alexander says, do you think that Red Bull's politicking in recent races is a sign that they are not confident that they will be in a position to win a championship next year and are therefore desperate to win it this year? Also, in response to last week's podcast, I promise I'm not Dan Tickter under an alias. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I think there's an element of it. Maybe not necessarily that they're not confident that they wouldn't win anything in the new regs or anything like that but red bull's got this like bee in their bonnet and they always have and i said i said this in discord at the time obsession obsession they've got this obsession with the youngest champion it was the same with vettel in the way that weber was never allowed as much opportunity as vettel i'm not saying weber got no opportunity because he did but when it came to the crunch, Vettel would always be favoured. And you've got the exact same thing going on at the minute with Verstappen, no matter mm-hmm. who his teammate is and the, the situations that he's in. And it's it just appears to be this insane like goal that Red Bull have to have this youngest world champion like thing. It's because Christian Horner wears Calvin Klein obsession. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that ship's really sell though, hasn't it? He's too old to be the youngest champion though, isn't he? I think, no, I think he, he oh, I don't know, actually. I'd have to check how old Vettel was. I'm pretty sure he's older now yeah, than Vettel he, was when he won his first I think, one. Yeah, I think it has. I think that one's gone away. But they're definitely like... It's, they, still, it's still the same issue applies. It's the same, same principle, yeah, though. It's the same yeah, issue. they still want... Yeah. yeah Which is not the question. You know, is, is it a sign that they're not confident that they'll be in a, in a composition champion? I think they Red Bull are probably among the teams that should be confident that they can be in a position to win a championship next year. I think they are competitors and they want to beat Mercedes. They don't want to be in an era... They don't want to give Mercedes an era where Mercedes have been the only team to win championships under this set of regulations because that... Can, yeah. when they, When they've been so dominant in the past, it's not a very good look for them to have not won a championship in what how many years is it now? Oh, Two thousand and thirteen, so seven. This will be the eighth. Well, so, Mercedes have done seven on the back at round seventh so far. Mm-hmm. I think underneath and underneath all of it, they're just competitors. They they want of course well, they yeah, want to win. They want to win championships. That's why they're here. Yeah, you can't criticize a team for trying everything they can to win, but I I, I don't think. It's a confidence with the team, but I do wonder how much the effort they're putting in this year is going to affect them next year. Mm. Well, I think that there's definitely, there's an element of if they throw everything at this, obviously they'll be compromising next year's car if they throw too much at at this car. And it's a big old regulation change. So, and they're going to be limited on wind tunnel time after a certain point. So yeah, I think... I think Mercedes are maybe going to suffer in the same way as well because they, yeah. as much as they said they were stopping development, they haven't. Yeah, they haven't. They absolutely haven't. There's a balance to be struck, and I, and I think struck. There's a balance to be struck, and I think it's it's a sign that all this sort of posturing and politicking, as you say, is a sign that they are struggling a bit more with the balancing of the priorities than it is a a sign that they're not confident that they'll be in a position to win a championship next year. I think they've got. They do have a championship within their grasp this year. There's no doubt about that. They've got the equipment. They've got the drivers to pull it off. It's how do you balance that resource to ensure that it happens? And 
and still yeah. compete, you know, and still and still be in a position next year. Because the compromise they make is if they if they don't throw enough at next year now, then they're going to compromise that entire aero formula because all these your starting point is your starting point for the entire formula. You know, when you look down through the grid, there's not been like other than probably McLaren, like over the years, it's always been, the middle teams have always been roughly in the middle. The top teams have always been roughly in the top and the bottom teams have always been roughly around the bottom. You know, when you think of it that way. So, and, and I guess like among the entire grid, there's a fear of winding up in that, in that sort of bottom few in the first season and that just hanging over trying to claw your way out yeah trying to claw your way out of that for the entire aero formula is just going to be an absolute nightmare so yeah yeah it's it's a hard question to answer but I think the simplest answer is they're competitors and they want to win yeah ultimately yeah I couldn't agree more and if anyone can negotiate the the challenge of a tough season going into new regulation change it's going to be a team like Red Bull or Mercedes. Yeah, okay. I mean, they're, they're poised. Yeah. They're definitely poised. Uh, Victor says, uh, we are all still going to talk about this first half of 2021 in 10 years' time. Um, it has, it's had everything. Do you guys agree? Yes. Yeah, it's a, already a classic. We've only yeah, I think, halfway through the season. I think it comes back to like comparing it to the seven races, seven winners and stuff. Like, yeah. One of those that kind of sticks in your memory for a while. Yeah, yeah. I said it earlier. It's a we're in a bit of a golden era. It's a golden season almost, and it yeah. always is. The yeah. end of a the end of an aero formula, the end of an engine formula, always is a banger of a season, and it's proved us right so far this year. Final question from Charlie Brigden: If you could go back in time and reverse one of the DNFs from the race, who would it be? I.e., which of the cars that DNF'd would have made the most difference if they were still in the race? Norris. Mm, do you know what? I wouldn't have. It wouldn't have been a DNF. It would have been the, the just the sheer amount of damage to Max. I would have liked to have seen what would have happened if Max and Lewis were the two lining up on that grid, mm. and whether Red Bull would have pitted him and so on. Like I, I would have liked to have seen that unfold, and to, and to potentially have the two of them having to fight back through the field and fighting each other at the same time, kind of thing. Yeah, that could. Oh, yeah, yeah I mean, imagine, imagine if they'd have not pitted and both those cars were in the same situation. Yeah. Which obviously Max kind of was, but it was just the car well, was just so damaged it was never capable of getting more than what he did out of it. I don't think. I think that if if both of them had not pitted is fantasy because that would never have happened. What well, if mm-hmm. you if you're in a situation where they're on equal on equal footing and Hamilton stays out, Verstappen would always. I have given this some thought before the episode, and yeah. Verstappen would always have done the opposite. He would have been the old do the opposite of what he does kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. like what. Absolutely no doubt is what went into Ocon's ear before the start of the race. Yeah, yeah. you're probably right, actually. Um, I'd, I'd still like to have seen it on But having, like, having said that, that you still say something happened, you know, Verstappen could still have been spun out and not had damage to his car. So yeah. if, if it had been, what, what yeah. is the, the real fantasy here? <laughs> and it is fantasy still, but the real fantasy is Verstappen and Hamilton both somehow end up at the back of the grid. And are on an equal footing and have to battle through the, the yeah. you say, have to battle through the field. Battle each other while battling through yeah, the field. Yeah. Which would be wild. But yeah. just the, 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 the physics and the dynamics of Formula One would not have allowed <laughs> that, especially in this situation, just wouldn't it would never work yeah. out that way. Or some strange things would have to happen for that to transpire. Mm. And that I think is it for the first half of the season. It's it's summer break time. 
which seems to have come around really quickly. It doesn't seem that long ago we were in Bahrain, but here we are, summer break. Um, Thanks, everyone, for joining us up to this point. Um, We will be back over the summer break. We'll definitely do a uh, mid-season review at some point. We'll probably have other bits and bobs going on, so we're not going to be disappearing. Uh, If you want to get in touch, as always, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the things. Just search Back of the Grid. You can join us on our Patreon and get all the other cool uh, Discord things by going to patreon.com slash back of the grid. We've still be chatting about all sorts of stuff on the uh, Discord, I'm sure. We've been talking Olympics the last few weeks, which has been pretty good fun. Um, Special thanks, as always, to our team principals, Alexa Jarvis, Wesley Paul, Narayan Hamari, Dusty Jantos, and Mark McNeil. Is that all the things? I think that's all the things. that's all the things. I'm exhausted. I'm shell-shocked. Thank you, everyone, again, for joining us. And we will be back in a week or two, probably. We'll see. (laughs) It's a summer break. Give us a few days to recover. Yeah, soon. Very soon. soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.